0: Today is the day the Lord has made, and we are glad and will rejoice in it. And I'm so glad that you are here today. I'm grateful if you're joining us online. I continue to be amazed at what God does through that technology and that blessing. Is I'll get emails and text messages and letters from people around our country and around uh, the world. That's just so humbling to see what God is doing through that, that the message is going out. I've loved being a part of this series. Um, This idea of called, I've confessed, I've got an agenda. And my agenda is to open your mind and heart to the possibility. Well, I'm going to change that. To the reality that God has a call on your life. And we're asking the question all the way through this. Can you imagine what God will do through you? If you would just let Him. And I've already had some great conversations with some of you... ...where you're beginning to wrestle with that question. And you're wondering, what is God's call? Or how am I living that call out? Or, or is it time for the call to change slightly? And I'm just praying for you. And I'm praying that God would continue to be at work in that way. And as we were coming up to this Sunday... Um, I just love, and every week we pray together and meet together as a ministry staff, and we're praying for you, and praying for the church, and we're praying for what God's leading us. And oftentimes they'll give me feedback. Some of it's nice, um, but at times, <laughs> times. So this past week, I was going to preach something else today, and the staff, in a like a coup moment, said, "No, we think you need to preach." ...on what it means to be a dad and be called. And I hadn't thought of that yet. And so, today is a blessing because I dug back into some scriptures... ...and did some learning for myself that was different than what I was planning. We'll get to that other sermon, but this is what I believe God has for us today. And I'm so grateful that they challenged me on this... ...because I want to speak a sermon calling all dads. Now... What we're gonna talk about today is not exclusively limited to dads. You're gonna figure that out real quick. But I do want to speak to fathers and particularly men in a unique way. Even if you don't have a child of your own, there's still a calling, I believe, God has for you. So as we begin, I want to do a shout out to my dad. Got a chance to see him yesterday, I was in Fort Worth, and just so grateful. For all that he's meant to me and the way that he's lived out what we're going to talk about today. So dad, love you and thank you for being my dad. Being a dad is awkward, isn't it? I mean, that's why we have things like dad jokes and dad bods and the clothes that we wear. Because even if you've got all good intentions, there's parts of it that's just awkward And we don't want anybody to know this, but we're figuring out as we go. You know, I mean, we're just, we're, nobody handed me the manual. Nobody gave me the instruction book. In fact, it still blows me away that after you have a child at the hospital, they actually let you take that child home. There's not like a test you have to pass. You know, here and suddenly you find yourself parenting. Or... Maybe it's just you're in a position to mentor somebody else. And you're a teacher, you're a coach, you're you're a music teacher. Any, any of those wares where you, you're helping somebody else learn something. And you want to do it well, but it just ends up being so awkward. And what I'm going to suggest today is that Jesus' earthly dad was put into a very awkward situation. And even though it was going to be awkward and not just funny awkward, not just humorously awkward, but shamefully awkward. God calls him into that role. Normally preach this passage around Christmas, but I think it's incredibly appropriate for today. So if you have your bibles, I want you to open to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is the first book in your New Testament. Chapter 1 is the first chapter of Matthew. So Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 18. And this is the story of when Joseph, Jesus' earthly dad, has to make a decision. Because he receives information from Mary that throws his world upside down. And he is told by Mary, who he is engaged and engagement's not really a strong enough word it's almost as if we're already married but we haven't consummated the marriage yet and he's told by her that she's pregnant with a child and it's not yours joseph and so joseph wrestles with this because this is shameful this is regrettable this is awkward And here's the account of where Joseph receives a call from God. Read with me. I'm going to read through it, and then we'll go back and unpack some lessons for us. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law... All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. We know very little... ...in comparison about Joseph. Now, there are some Josephs in the Old, Old Testament. This is Joseph in the New Testament, the earthly father of Jesus. And he is attributed to be a carpenter or, another translation, could be a stone worker. Either way, he's some type of craftsman, which means that, that he could create a business for himself... And this is very important in that economy in that day it was you were very poor or very wealthy there's little in between. but if you had the ability to have a craft and a trade, you could ink out a decent living for you and a family and so I gather that Joseph is a planner, he's a builder he 's got intentions life, and the scripture tells us he was a righteous man and so Joseph has his house in order. He's a guy that you want at church. You want him on the committee. You want him uh, on your team. He's a guy that you would enjoy hanging out with, and you would find him very respectable, and you'd want to be around him. You'd want to be associated with him. And he thinks his life is really catching stride. Because now he's going to be married to what we assume is the love of his life. Until she comes to him and has to have an awkward conversation. Because Mary's been called to something. And Mary's responding to the call. And she is going to be a vessel for which Jesus is going to come into the world. And now she tells him, I'm pregnant. And you know it had to be a very hard thing to actually believe and look the woman that he loves in the face and receive from her. I know what you think, but it's not that. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I'm sure somewhere in the conversation, yeah, right, came out. And you know that he leaves that conversation. It cannot be a a good ending because when he leaves the conversation, his plan in his head, because he's a planner and he's got control, and so now he's going to do damage control. And he leaves that conversation and he is thinking, he said, now, how do I end this relationship? And he had several options. And all the power is on his side now. Because in that context, in that culture, with those laws... To violate the marriage covenant. Once again, they were practically married. So there has to be legal proceedings to break this up. He could have her stoned. That is an option on his plate. But because he's righteous. And even through the pain, he still loves her. He finds a way to divorce in the relationship break the legal ties but try to minimize the disgrace that she's going to receive and an angel of the lord comes to him he goes to sleep he's thinking about this you ever had one of those nights where you're 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 thinking about something thinking about something you're stressed at it and when you can finally fall asleep you dream about it because your mind is just racing like that that's what joseph experiencing so i want to walk back through what he receives I want to look at his calling, and I want to look at the reasons that he's encouraged to fulfill this calling. And I think it has something for us, and especially for men and dads. The verse says this. Verse 20. Now, I'm going to jump to the second half of it because it's got the call in it. Joseph, son of David. This is the words coming from the angel in his dream. Joseph, Did I do that? Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. There's the call. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Now, what's interesting about that is that was his plan all along. So sometimes our call comes in the midst of our plan, but we want to be faithful to the call, or God is calling you to be faithful to the call, despite the obstacles that get in the way. And so here's God showing up, telling him, I know that this is awkward. I know that this is shameful. I know that you're spinning in your head of how am I going to separate myself from this because this is going to bring tarnish on my name. God says, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Here's what God's calling him to do and calling dads to do. Stand in the gap. Because that simple request, Joseph, go ahead and marry her. He knows that all the shame, all all the gossip, all the scorn, all the whispering, is going to follow Mary and now he's going to associate himself with it. And so God is saying, I need you to stand in the gap. I want you to stand by her side and I want you to be a protector for her. You need to be somebody that talks about her differently than everybody else talks about. You need to be somebody that holds her up when everybody else wants to put her down. You need to be somebody that encourages her when everybody else wants to discourage her. Joseph it's not going to be easy but I don't call people to easy I call people to godliness you need to stand in the gap and you're going to be a protector of her because she's going to need physical protection because after a while the forces of King Herod are going to come looking for her And you're going to need to guard her. You're going to need to stand in the gap. And that's what God is calling Joseph to. I I, I believe that this is God's plan because, you know, God's powerful enough to come up with another way, but He knows, and in His plan, His grand design, that Mary's not going to be able to do it alone. At least for a certain season of her life. And that Jesus is going to need somebody that guides him. And so Joseph is responsible for seeing that Jesus is growing up in church. There's a story that comes later that Jesus is about 12 years old. And he gets lost and separated from the family. And he goes directly to the temple and that's where they find him again. The story does not indicate that's his first time to ever show up at the temple. The story indicates that, where else would you be looking for me? This is where we go. This is where I've been. I should be in my father's house. You taught me that. Why wouldn't we be here? And so Jesus is already modeling for him what it means to be connected to the Father, even though I mean so Joseph is modeling for him what it means to be connected to the Father, even though Jesus is far more connected to the Father than Joseph. Can even comprehend. We stand in the gap. Then God gives him three reasons. Three ways to lean into this calling if you would. So go back to that first verse again. Joseph son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Joseph son of David. The David in that sentence is David, King David of the Old Testament. It is the hero of. ...of the Old Testament. It is the one from which the Messiah was going to come. And Joseph is one of the descendants of King David. And so God is reminding Joseph of who he is. And so the thing that I would have you take away... ...if you want to write this down is this. God is calling you to live up to your true identity. He starts by saying... ...you're the son and child of a king... That's who you are. And this is going to become very important because Joseph is going to have to be at odds with the king that's on earth at the time named Herod. And Herod is going to try to kill Jesus and so he issues a genocide of all babies in the area. They're two and under. And so Joseph is going to have to flee with his family into Egypt. And so but he's saying, you're in the line of the king and you're going to have to face off against the falsely king but remember who you are you're a child of the king and in a world today where identity is a hot topic and how do you find your true identity where do you look for a true identity can i at least make one critique and i know you may want to push back on this but i'm going to suggest this and please wrestle with it and we can talk about it later It seems like our culture is just focused on you look inside yourself and you do all the reflections about yourself, and that's where you find your true identity. I want to suggest that your truest identity comes from outside, and you were created as a child of the king, and that's where you find your identity. Any other identity needs to be second and third and way down the list compared to that one. Let that one lead. Let that one be the calling. Live up to that one. Because that one comes from God. We've got to be real careful when we start thinking that I discover my identity on my own. Because I'm a mess. But when the one that created you shows up and says you're a child of the king. That's who you are. Live like it. He goes on. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. We're learning more and more about the Holy Spirit here. And I'm so excited and so grateful that God's revealing so many more things about His Spirit and the way it works. Because it's always been there. And what he's telling Joseph at this moment is, Joseph, all this stuff that you're so worried about, I want you to remember the Holy Spirit is involved. The Holy Spirit is the driver of this. The Holy Spirit is the power behind and for this and the one that's going to carry you through this. And so God is calling. Here's what I want you to know. God is calling you to depend on the Holy Spirit. Calling all dads. God is calling you to depend on the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to confess, this is a fresh thought to me too. What does it mean to let the Holy Spirit guide my parenting? What does it mean to let the Holy Spirit guide my mentoring? What what would it mean for the Holy Spirit to guide your coaching, your teaching, Any place where you find yourself pouring into a generation below you, whatever the relationship is, to let the Holy Spirit be the one that takes over and guides that. See, God doesn't lay out all the problems that Joseph is about to face, and they're going to be significant. I mean, he's going to have to flee as a fugitive with his family into a foreign country and live there. He doesn't know how long. Close down the business, shutter the doors. And he's going to have to live with the scorn and all that, but God's saying, but you do all this by the power of the Holy Spirit. May we come to rely more and more dependent on that, that God is going to fulfill His promise that says, I will not abandon you. I will be present with you always in that. And that there is a supernatural power that's beyond my Natural ability beyond my natural smarts, beyond my natural experience, beyond everything that I've tried to do, that the Holy Spirit can come in and be at work. God's calling us to depend on Him. He goes on, verse 21 She will give birth to a son, and you are to give Him the name Jesus because He will save His people from their sins. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. What's he doing here? He, he's telling Joseph that I know this is awkward. And I know this is difficult. And I know this is shameful. I know this is not what you expected. But let me go to the end of the story and give you a picture of that. Let me show you what this is about. And so he th- begins to tell them, here's what this child is going to do. Here's how I'm at work. And so he doesn't just focus on, well, Joseph, here's how your life's going to go. And lem- let me give you the next six months and six years and you know, two decades of your life. And-, and it'll end with you rocking on the front porch and the grandkids all come around. No, he jumps to the big picture and says, let me tell you what what I'm doing. I am sending the Messiah into the world. His name means God saves. He will save his people from their sins. Joseph, that's what you get to be a part of. Can you imagine what God will do through you if you'll just let him? So what I want you to take away is this. God is calling you to be a part of a bigger story. A much bigger story. I don't want to offend you, but your life is too small of a thing to live for. But God's story is a much bigger thing to live for. One of my favorite uh, movies, because I'm pretty nostalgic, is It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart in it. It's really famous at Christmas time. You can see it and they've got it in black and white. And If you don't care about being a purist, you can watch it in color too. But the story is of a man that is trying to find his purpose in life. He's, he's trying to find because he keeps thinking that God's that he should be out there somewhere making making a name for himself. and every time he tries to leave town, he's held in town. And his life just goes by and he thinks it's unexciting, unchallenging un that he's just missed life by. And it's revealed to him at the end that he's had this unbelievable impact and has changed lives all around him because he was faithful to the calling. What you may not know is that Jimmy Stewart, the, the actor, uh, very famous, obviously, that was his first movie that he made after coming back from serving as a pilot in World War II. Jimmy Stewart, James Stewart became a commander of the 703rd bomber squadron and would conduct missions himself And B-24s, would conduct missions, would fly over uh, enemy uh, cities and towns and encampments and drop bombs. And then he was also responsible for all the men under his command. And the worst thing for him is when he would lose a man and he'd have to write home and tell his parents, that their son was not coming home. And it left Jimmy Stewart with some P.S.T.D. And he was struggling with this. And so when he shows up on set, he is disillusioned with Hollywood. Because to him, it's all fake. Now, if he's disillusioned, imagine how he'd feel now about Hollywood. But to him, he just can't draw the connection, and he can't get over what he's experienced. And he would talk about just some of the rage. And so they say, if you read some of the articles about this, some of those times when he's kind of right there on edge because he's expressing his frustration with how his life turned out, that's really coming from a strong place inside of him. That's coming from a real place inside of him. In fact, the set, if you can imagine this, the set of It's a Wonderful Life was described as an unhappy place. The people making the movie were not happy. And Jimmy Stewart was in the middle of it. And he was struggling. Then one day, the actor that, came, that played Mr. Potter, if you remember the story, Mr. Potter is actually the, the, the antagonist in the story. And he's played by name uh, an actor Lionel Berry. And Lionel comes to him... And he can tell that Jimmy Stewart's just in a deep depression and frustrated and he's bitter. He says, I need to ask you a question, Jim. He said, what's more important? Or what's more impactful? Or what's better? Dropping bombs on people? Or giving them a story that they can live into. and James Stewart would later talk about how that changed his view. And he realized that what he did had purpose and meaning all of a sudden. And and the bitterness began to melt away. And the way that he began to heal from his trauma before was to give people a better story. This is what God's doing with each of us. He's inviting you to a bigger and better Awesome story to be a part of. So for men, as we face things like how do you pay the bills and what's the career doing and how do you keep the kids under control and all the stuff that we face and the car running, whatever it is in your world. Don't get so consumed in the every single day details that you lose sight of the bigger story that we're a part of. And however you're pouring into somebody, whether it's your own child or somebody else's child that because of a coaching situation or whatever, you have a chance to mentor, you have a chance to teach, it's the next-door neighbor that you can take under your wing and encourage them. You're part of a bigger story. And if there's anything that you want to leave, it's a legacy. And that's how you leave a legacy. God's calling. And he's calling us because Jesus laid down his life. Because Joseph was willing to be a part of having Jesus come into the world. And the saving act has gone on and on and on and we are blessed by it today as we gather here. So what I want to do is I'm going to offer prayer. I'm going to offer a prayer specifically for men. And I just want to encourage you if you want to receive this prayer, just, just let this be a prayer that you receive and you acknowledge. And if you want that to be yours, if you would just, we get to the end, just Acknowledge it with an amen. So let me pray for you together. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for one that's been blessed with a, what I consider to be an incredible dad. I realize that's not true for everybody, so Father, I, I give you thanks for that. But Father, whether we had a great dad or a lousy dad, You are a good, good father. And you're calling. So, Father, I pray for myself. Pray for every man hearing this message, whether in this room or online. Would you this week remind us of who we are? Would you have somebody speak it to us or the thought just be stuck in our brains in such a way where it, we can't get past it? That we're a child of the king? Would you help us to see how to be dependent on your spirit to parent? Would you let us lay down, which is probably the toughest for all of us, is our pride? and be humble before our families, before our friends. Acknowledge that we're doing this by your power, not by ours. And Father, would you give us each a vision of the bigger story, your saving act, the way that you're changing the world and you're changing history. Father, would you help us to be men Of you. Not because we're special. But because. You're the one. That's transforming us. Leading us. And calling us. Father I I ask all this. In the name of the one we follow. The one that laid down his life. Because of your calling. And I ask, would you so let that belief come alive in our hearts and in our lives that we can't help but be different because of it? This is what I ask. So together, all who embrace this prayer, together we say, Amen. there's any way that we can help you and pray for you we'd love to do that we're going to sing a song now you can reach you can come talk to me you can send me a text however you want to do that if there's any way that god's moving your life please don't push back on that sandy did it for nine years don't let it be that long let's stand and let's worship please